from downtown LA, it's the Little Jolly Gamer Show, Boom Shakalaka! Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Little Jolly Gamer Show. This is going to be episode 110. My name is Brandon and joining me today is... Nobody else. It's just me today. Uh, actually, there's a little side project I wanted to do. Uh, it's not very often I get some time to myself to do a little solo project. So I wanted to talk about Mortal Kombat 2021, the movie that was just released. Um, as of this recording, I saw it about a little less than a month ago. And if you don't know, I'm a huge uh, fan of the 1995 film Mortal Kombat of the same name. Uh, and I was going to do a little short review and... It's really easy to make fun of a video game movie. It's it, The material almost writes itself. So what I did was I got down uh, uh, some notes, and for every... I got some pros and some cons. And for every pro, I have a con up until a certain point. <laughs> and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, so this is going to be a short, impromptu review of Mortal Kombat 2021. Now, one of the big reasons I'm doing this by myself is because I'm one of the only ones who's seen the movie of our group of friends. Um, at least, I know Steven and Jacob haven't seen it. And if you don't know who that is, you should go check out some of our other stuff. Uh, if you're listening to this on our RSS feed, I'm sure you can find it. It's very easy. Uh, if not, just Google search Lil Jolly Gamer Show Presents, and you will find just about everything that we do on that RSS feed. And I'm actually starting to post on YouTube as well, so look out for that. So anyway, Mortal Kombat 2021, I actually went into this movie with pretty low expectations, and that's probably why, uh, overall, I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really good. Uh, I'm somewhat impressed. Now, whenever I'm talking about this movie, I think I'm going to give it two scores by the end of this. I think I'm going to give it a score of what a Mortal Kombat fan should expect, and I'm probably going to give it a score on what just your regular civilian score would be someone who doesn't really like something that that my parents but if my parents walked in this would be the review i would give them <laughs> so um as a mortal kombat fan you might not like this movie uh as someone who doesn't really give a crap about mortal kombat and just wants to see a movie you probably actually would really enjoy it now um i'm just gonna read my pros first and then i'm gonna go down the cons second and let's start off by saying that I actually really think the visual effects in this movie are, are really well done. Um, certain scenes, like when Sub-Zero grabs that shotgun... Uh, oh, by the way, let me just clarify that I'm going to spoil this entire movie for you. It's a review, so that's what we do. Uh, and also, I'm, gonna ex I'm just going to talk about random scenes. I'm not going to go through it play-by-play -play or anything like that. But anyway, yeah, the visual effects I thought looked really great. Uh, there's a couple of them that look a little worse, some of them that look a little better. Uh, but I really like like the part I was mentioning before when Sub-Zero grabs the shotgun from Jax and he blasts it. And you can see the light coming from inside the ice and all the individual... Um, I'm assuming that's Buckshot <laughs> that he was shooting out of there. Um, all the shrapnel coming from that bullet is uh, just kind of spreading out and freezing and making these icicles. I thought that was a really cool effect. Um, and what works in tandem with that is good choreography. I think that uh, a lot of the fight scenes, <laughs> especially, it's going to be hard not to compare this movie to the 1995 movie. Um, but the choreography is way better. 
Uh, they've got some people that are actually trained to do this choreography, which probably helps out. I know the, the actor that plays Sub-Zero is a guy who was in the movie The Raid, and that movie is renowned for having really good choreography, actions, and, and stunts. Um, speaking of Sub-Zero, uh, I have him written down here on my pros. Sub-Zero finally gets the um, justice he deserves as far as how powerful he can be, because if you're, if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, then you know just about every trailer that's ever put out for a Mortal Kombat movie. Sub-Zero is just constantly getting his butt kicked by Scorpion because Scorpion's like the fan favorite. And it's also Ed Boon's favorite. Ed Boon's one of the creators of Mortal Kombat. And so uh, <laughs> it's kind of like how how Kirby is in Smash Bros. Since the creator of Kirby made Super Smash Bros., Kirby's always getting like the spotlight. And that's kind of how Scorpion is in Mortal Kombat. Uh, he always gets the spotlight. He's always, you know, beating up Sub-Zero in, in the trailer. So it's good to see Sub-Zero. And Sub-Zero in this movie is the main antagonist. You know, you would think it would be Shang Tsung or Goro, but no, it's it's Sub-Zero. And that's really emphasized in the beginning of the movie, which I think was really cool whenever they show the, kind of the history of Sub-Zero versus Scorpion and how it came to be. Are they going to elaborate on it? Are they going to follow the same story as the video games? I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, Sub-Zero was, was really well done, I feel like. Uh, and, and, and you know, just about all the characters were well done. It's just certain things about how they approach their powers and stuff, which I'm going to get to later. That's what really turned me off. Uh, but I think the acting was, was pretty well done, except for like a couple people like Raiden and Kung Lao. Now, um, that's going to work in tandem with another one of my pros, which is I really appreciated the fact that I didn't recognize just about any of these actors. Now, I mean, I'm not the kind of person who keeps up with, like, celebrity gossip or anything like that, but I'm glad I didn't see The Rock playing Scorpion, you know? Like, <laughs> just anytime I see, like, a, a popular actor, uh, especially if they, they're really, really popular... I, it's hard for me to, t t to take their role seriously because anytime I see The Rock playing a character, for example, I just see The Rock. And in some roles that makes sense, right? So like in Fast and the Furious, The Rock playing The Rock makes sense because that movie's like silly and fun. But if, if I'm ever to take a movie seriously, I need to be able to take the actors seriously. And so I don't want to see like, you know, there, there's, there's certain exceptions to that rule. For example, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, he can he has a wide range in, of diversity he can do in his acting. Uh, but there's some people like I don't want to see I want to see Steven Seagal <laughs> as Johnny Cage. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm making myself laugh. Um, but no, I, I think that um, some of the acting was a little a little dull, you know, Raiden for example. Um, he, he didn't really uh, do a good job on his delivery. And then Kung Lao, even though I do understand the guy who played Kung Lao was really doing the stunts and stuff, um, some of his acting was a little off. Uh, but not bad. None of it was bad, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, the music the music was really... Um, so it, it's, it's hard not to overuse the Mortal Kombat theme song, right? Everybody knows it. The dun 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 dun. Everyone knows that song, and so I think they used it very tastefully in this movie. They didn't overuse it, um, whereas they use it like three or four times in the, the 1995 film. And this one, they kind of used it in really vital 
points. So like whenever the the part in the very end when Scorpion comes back and throws the harpoon and it goes in Sub Zero's shoulder and he pulls him back and he saves Cole Young, which is the new character. Um, yeah, that part was kind of cool. Uh, so I, I liked it, and also it, it it was just since it was tastefully done, uh, it didn't get stale. It's like oh here comes the Mortal Kombat song. Um, speaking of bonus points for that that post credit scene or that not post credits but the credit sequence, I really like the credit sequence and, and I, I do like the remixed song. Um, and here's a big one. So the 1995 film is missing one really vital part of Mortal Kombat, and that's fatalities and blood. And there's plenty of that in this movie. Plenty of blood. You know, this, this is not a movie for kids. Uh, a, lot, there's a lot of adult language and, and blood and gore. Uh, and the fatalities they deliver. Some of them are cooler than others. Um, you know, for example, Kano has his his heart rip. That's like an iconic Mortal Kombat 1 fatality. Probably my favorite one that was done was from Kung Lao. Whenever he throws his hat in the ground and starts spinning like a buzzsaw, like Mortal Kombat 9 style. And uh, he, he takes Nitara, which, yeah, she's in this movie. And it's so funny because whenever Nitara showed up on screen, I leaned over to my wife and because uh, we're in the movie theater. I leaned over. I was like, yeah, she's, she's going to die. Because <laughs> uh, no, no one likes Nitara. Uh, and she's a, like a throwaway character, so uh, I, I figured she was going to die pretty quick. Uh, also, a quick disclaimer, I think a lot of just about everything I'm talking about is multiplied like 10 times because we saw the movie in Dolby. And just about any movie, if we ever go to the movie theater, we're watching it in Dolby. And that, it makes all the difference because watching this, I, I think my opinion of it would be even less um, it, it would it wouldn't do a, a, a good it would do a disservice to watch it just on your TV if you don't have a good sound system or anything because in the Dolby you know the part whenever Cole and Goro are fighting you know Goro would walk around and those big heavy steps would rattle my seat and it would kind of add to the fear of seeing this giant Shokan war- warrior about to rip my head off you know and every sound effect the hits were crunchy and the bones popping there was such depth to all the sound and that that goes for just about any movie that you watch in dolby but um i don't i don't go to the movie theater and not see something in dolby unless they're not showing it in dolby but and if they're not showing it in dolby i'm probably gonna stay at home and, and rent it digitally but anyway yeah so lots of fatalities lots of blood and i think there was two characters that kind of stuck out the most and that was kano and cabal which is interesting because I had never liked Kano. Uh, Cabal was always like kind of this mystery character who, who was kind of boring because he was, you know, he has this big mask on and this breathing apparatus and all this armor and you can't see his face and it's hard to connect with the, uh, a character that you can't really see their face or their facial expressions. But uh, just his little quirky remarks and some of the funny things that he would say uh, were pretty great. But Kano absolutely steals the show. Uh, he's always like. It's almost like it's 24-7 with him cracking jokes and not taking anything seriously. And they kind of make you like him a little bit in the beginning of the movie. Uh, and I was like, look, they're not going to like me. make me like Kano. I don't like Kano. And then I, I kind of, just like any Mortal Kombat fan would have been able to tell, he betrays everybody in the end of the movie. And you're like, okay, yeah, it's Kano. But he's still funny. Up, up until the point that he dies, you're, you're enjoying uh, Kano's presence. He just absolutely stole the show. Uh, I think the uh, birthmark, the, the the Mortal Kombat Dragon birthmark, and the rules behind it were kind of cool. It's different, and that's why I appreciated it. 
Because sometimes when I go into a movie or if I'm playing a remake of a video game, I kind of don't want the same exact thing. I want them to do something different. I want them to kind of um, give it its own unique version. And I think this they were on the right track here. They were on the right track with the birthmark, with like kind of like the Highlander, you know, if you're the chosen one. If you have the birthmark, then you are the one who's, or you're one of the ones that is going to defend the realm of Earth in Mortal Kombat. And I thought that was really cool. I like the rules behind, like, if you kill someone uh, that has one of those marks, it gets transferred to you. And that's how Kano got his. And that's how Sonya gets hers by the end of the movie by killing Kano, for example. Um, I think that was a really cool concept. I feel like for something I'm going to talk about later in the cons section of this review, um, kind of throws it all out the window and that's the unfortunate part is that it was such a unique idea and I was I was excited that they were doing something fresh with it um I have written down here uh this is Mortal Kombat for non-gamers you know you can kind of jump into this and you know the bad thing about movies like this is that you've got a lot of characters from Mortal Kombat right Mortal Kombat has like almost a hundred characters that they could pick from to put in these movies and the more they pick out to put in a movie the more they have to give them some screen time to make you care about them in the movie. And sometimes it works better than not. You know, for example, that was the problem with, like, Suicide Squad, for example. You had so many characters, but it really ended up being a dead shot in Harley Quinn movie. Uh, but there was so many more characters that they wanted you to care about. Um, here, it's kind of the same thing. You know, they, they kind of have to um, give you a, just a quick, like, hey, this is Liu Kang. Um, here's the story real quick. Okay, now you like him. Here's Kung Lao. Here's a story really quick. Now you like them. Um, for some people like me, that's I don't like that. <laughs> I would prefer them spend more time uh, really um, working on the characterization of these characters, um, making you learn about their backstories, making you care about if they live or die. Uh, but if you're just walking into this movie and you just want to see some people, you, you just want to see some Mortal Kombat fatalities and blood, then this is all for you. You know, you don't have to worry about caring about Sonya Blade. Because you just want to see her blow somebody's stomach open with her power rings. Or you want to see Kano rip someone's heart out, you know? Um, so that one can go kind of either way. Uh, here's a couple, or, or probably my last my last pro, uh, my last positive thing to say about the movie, is that there's a lot of cool Easter eggs and nods to the video games from the movie. For, for example, the part whenever Luke Kang is constantly performing a sweep move on Kano and he keeps tripping him and he keeps falling and he's like oh well you got any other moves and then he jumps and then he sweeps him again and it's really funny because uh not only is it slapstick funny but it's funny because it's a nod to the AI in the Mortal Kombat games and how they would be notorious for just sweeping you constantly because uh it was a really cheap move and they could win they could win that way um other Easter eggs off the top of my head uh, was uh, just kind of showing that Nightwolf exists on um, Sonya's board, her bulletin board of all kinds of different things about Mortal Kombat. You see um, Nightwolf back there. There's like a uh, there's an input command for Sub Zero's Ice Ball um, in the area where um, he fights Jax. And uh, I really can't think of anything else. I mean, it's been a couple weeks since I watched it, but there, there's plenty of stuff in there. To, uh, oh yeah, like Quan Quan Chi or Shinnok's amulet is in um, Raiden's temple, and that, that's pretty cool. So it, it, you kind of do that, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme every time you see something cool like that. <laughs> if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, uh, but you know, it's unfortunately time to go to the negative stuff about the movie. So let's jump into that. 
All right, first and foremost, the worst part of the entire movie is the Arcanas. Now, Arcanas in the movie are explained. It's this is this is how the people get their powers, right? So Kung Lao's Arcana is using his hat for powers, teleporting to his hat, throwing it, and coming back to him like Captain America's shield. Liu Kang's Arcana is you know his fireball powers, um, and then it. It takes a certain event to draw out people's arcanas, which I thought was kind of a cool idea. Uh, for example, the guy get Kano really mad before his eyeball laser shows up, or um, Cole Young has to um, protect his family for his arcana. Now that part's kind of cool, how they are able to draw them out, but unfortunately, I don't like, because it's really just a way for them to say, hey, Kano has a laser eye, because Kano has a laser eye. Whereas in the video games, it's explained clearly that he has a laser eye because he has a robot cyborg half a face you know like it, it, the laser comes from the robot part of his eye it makes sense or like um sonya blade gets her power rings later in the movie and they just kind of come out of nowhere they're just like a energy blast that comes from her arms um in the games that comes from like the devices on her wrists it's not like a magic power but some people in the games do have magic powers and they're explained that way such as Liu Kang's firepower. You know, he's a monk that is training in, you know, special martial arts, and that's how he's able to use those powers. Um, or Jax's arms. <laughs> you know, like, his, his arcana is kind of the weirdest one because his he gets his arms blown off by Sub-Zero earlier in the movie, and they, they're like little wimpy skeleton robot arms, and his arcana is just for his arms to get improved. So he looks like Jax from the games. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just lazy. It's just a lazy way to say, oh, uh, this is your arcana. Uh, you know, you get stretchy arms because you get stretchy arms. There's no reason behind it. That's just your power. And they even kind of comment on it where Kano's like, what am I gonna get? You know, is it luck of the draw? You know, is it, is it, am I gonna get fire powers like this guy, or am I gonna get something else? It's just strange. It's very strange. I did not like that part. Um, also, Mortal Kombat is a tournament. It's a tournament against realms, and Out Outworld is fighting against Earthrealm, and if they win nine, uh, ten consecutive Mortal Kombat's, they will be able to merge the realms, and they've won nine. That's always the story, that they've won the nine, and they got to get the last one. But the tournament never really happens in the movie. Um, that's one of the things, things I really love about the 1995 version, is that the whole movie is a tournament. In this, the tournament never really happens, and they're not really explicit on the rules either. They explain it that Shang Tsung is a cheater. He's sending all his warriors to kill all of Raiden's warriors. So that way, there's if you can't have a tournament if you don't have any fighters to defend your realm, right? So if all your chosen warriors with the birthmarks are killed, then they can't participate in the tournament, so you win by default. That's the idea. Uh, but they don't really go into detail about it too much, like... Why doesn't Raiden stop them? Like in the 1995 film, do you remember that part? Whenever Sub-Zero and Scorpion show up and Shang Tsung's like, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, the deadliest of enemies, but slaves under my command. And then he, they start attacking Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, and Sonya Blade, and then Raiden comes in and blasts them against the wall, and he's like, Your sideshow freaks attack my fighters. That's expressly forbidden before the tournament. Why didn't Raiden do that in this movie? Why didn't he stop Shang Tsung from cheating like he did in the 1995 version? In fact, what was Raiden doing during any of this? And that, that's another one of my gripes, is Raiden 
as a whole. He's super stale, super boring, and he's just a jerk the whole time. I don't understand. He has no, like, likable qualities like the Raiden from the 1995 film. Um, and I, I just don't understand why he didn't... He was like, hey, look, we gotta follow the rules. Let's, you know, the fate of billions lies in your hands. No, no, there's none of that. It's just like, hey... In fact, there's one part where Raiden opens up a portal and he's like, Hey, Cole, look, you suck. You haven't found your arcana. Go home and be with your family. <laughs> You're going to die here. And uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, the tournament and the rules. The, it, it makes no sense and they should have followed them more closely. Um, speaking of bad characters, Melina shows up. And she's not a bad character in the game. She's just a bad character in the movie. She just shows up and she's just kind of there. For the bad guys, if it wasn't Sub-Zero or Cabal, it's like they just chose random bad guys. They're like, oh yeah, this person get killed, that's alright. And amongst those, unfortunately, is Goro. And I don't understand why they they played that card so early. Yeah, they killed Goro, and Goro's supposed to be like the big bad boss. In the original Mortal Kombat game, he's more he's scarier to fight than Shang Tsung is. Once you beat him, you're like, okay, let me go fight Shang Tsung, no big deal. Goro was like the big bad boss. But he gets just pooped on in this movie. Like, it happens so fast. He, he fights Cole Young, uh, which, let me let me get this out of the way first. Cole Young is the new character. He's, he's made ex- ex- expressly for this movie. And he's kind of like this blank canvas of a character that the viewer can, a- can attach onto and go through this adventure with. But he's super bland. He's, you know, the descendant of Hanzo Hisashi, Scorpion, and it's, I don't know, it's pretty easy to tell that that was going to happen, and I don't want to say he's all bad, I think that the idea of having a cage fighter type character enter, enter Mortal Kombat is really cool because there is no characters like that in, um, is no, there are no characters like that in the, um, in the games, and I think it'd be cool. If he shows up in one of the games, I'm kind of cool with that, as long as he doesn't have his super overpowered arcana, which is basically Black Panther's suit (laughs) that can redistribute momentum that's put onto it. So he's over here getting beat up by Goro, and he's just, like, throwing the punches back at him, which is like, okay, well, he's got this cool armor on his chest, but, you know, what about his face? (laughs) Because Goro picks him up and starts punching him in the face. Um, But by the end of the movie, it's like... There's so much inconsistency and unlikability to Cole Young that he could have been a better character. I'm not saying he didn't have to be in the movie. It probably would have helped if he wasn't, but they could have done a lot better with him. But anyway, Goro and Cole Young are fighting in this farmhouse area, uh, and Cole's getting beat up, and his, his wife comes out. I'm assuming it's his wife. I don't know. They don't really talk about it a whole lot, but apparently he has a wife and kid, or a girlfriend and kid. We don't know. Uh, but she does more damage to Goro by shoving a, um, a, a woodcutter's axe into his ribcage. Um, and after that, you know, he, they're trying to run away and Cole's getting pissed. He's getting scared because his family's going to die. And then that's when his arcana activates and he fights Goro. And he gets these, like, cool, like, club saber type weapons. I think they're called tomfas, but they have blades on them. And um, he cuts open, he cuts off Goro's hand and cuts him open and all his entrails come out. And it's like, oh. You kill Goro that easily? Like, this guy who literally has been, like, the weakest link in this entire movie and is pretty weak after this fight as well, kills Goro? Like, I don't know. I just felt like either it was... 
they could have put somebody else there. Like, if they would have put, I don't know, Kintaro. Not Goro. Goro's the, the, the Shokan Prince. The champion of Mortal Kombat. And Cole beat him? I, I don't know. It's weird. I did not like that. Um, I put down here Nitara and Raiko. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier, Nitara in uh, the, the Kung Lao Fatality. Uh, but yeah, these two characters... You gotta pick some Mortal Kombat characters to get murked. And if you're gonna pick them, it's these two. But they just kind of show up. They're just there. And they don't they don't even give them any kind of exposition. Like, hey, this is Raiko. He he works for Shao Kahn. He, think, he likes to wear his helmet when he's not around. Um, like in Mortal Kombat 4. No, they don't say anything. He's just like, hey, I'm a big strong guy with a hammer. Uh, me and Jack's gonna go fight. See you later. <laughs> so that's kind of boring. Uh, and equally as stale as Raiden is Shang Tsung. Uh, Shang Tsung is just kind of like, he's just kind of there. He's like, hey, let's hurry this up. I, I gotta, I gotta win this tournament so I can get back to, to Shao Kahn. And he's just kind of like, he doesn't have the same charisma as the Shang Tsung from the 1995 movie. You know, he, none of the same quotes, the, it has begun, or no, nothing like that. Or, your brother's soul is mine. He doesn't do any of those. He, he's just kind of this dude, and he's totally the, the guy from, um, the Dark Knight <laughs> that that runs to um, Hong Kong and to run away from Batman. You know what I'm talking about? The guy in the TV when the Joker slams the guy's uh, face into the pencil. Remember that? Yeah. Anyway, that's that guy. Um, but yeah, Shang Tsung is pretty stale as well. And I wrote down underneath there uh, that, that there, there's no... The, the quips are not as good as they used to be, right? Um, there's one good one whenever after the Kung Lao fatality, you know, he, he you know, wipes the brim of his hat that's super razor sharp I don't know how he doesn't cut his fingers, but hey, it's Kung Lao, so we don't ask questions. And he says, flawless victory. You know, it's cool to see some of the, the video game DNA injected in there, but um, they were not as, um, they were not imp implemented as good as as the um, 1995 film. Like, for example, whenever Kano rips out the heart, he says, Kano wins. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but it's a little too on the nose. Uh, and it's so weird to see these characters saying the quips and not Shang Tsung because Shang Tsung, this, it's supposed to be his tournament. He's hosting the tournament, at least in the 1995 version. So for him to say, Sub-Zero wins, flawless victory, it makes sense. It's his tournament. But like to hear people exclaiming their own victories like Kano, it's just strange. It's really strange. And uh, I mean, it works. It just doesn't work as good. Um, as a movie... I feel like the pacing was a little off. Um, you know, the, the, the first half of the movie just kind of... It takes a long time for people to start... For the good guys to start winning. And by the time they do, it's almost... It's like the last quarter of the movie. And they speed it up so fast. Because they go to that weird little void realm when everyone's getting murked and Kung Lao dies. And... Which is... Which sucks. And I get it. You know, Kung Lao does die a lot in the games. Um, but they go to this realm in between realms, which has never existed in the video games. And then Raiden's like, all right, what are we, what are we supposed to do now? Because all y'all suck. Y'all getting y'all's butts kicked. Kung Lao just died. He's the best one of y'all. And then Cole's like, all right, guys, we can't give up. Let's all split up and fight everybody. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> oh, so now you think you can take everybody? Yeah, if we can, we can, if we split up and take them one-on-one, -on -one, which they were all fighting one-on-one -on -one in the first place. Um... And so he's like, hey, you know what, um, Jax, you go after, um, 
you go after Raiko, and Liu Kang, you go after Cabal, I'm gonna go after Melina, Sonya, you go after Kano, and they're like, what about Sub-Zero? Like, oh, we'll, we'll just go jump him. After it's all done, we'll go jump him. You know, so let's go. Um, and after that, it's just like, it's, it's mano a mano fight one after the next, all in one big montage, and it, it's just, it happens so fast. Uh, it's just like such a big build-up to a, such a short fighting scene, and in, it, after th those fighting scenes in particular are kind of hit or miss as well. Like the Jax versus Raikou battle was on top of the pit, but Jax doesn't knock him into the pit. He does do a really cool fatality. Don't get me wrong, it's a really great one. It's whenever he does the head clap and he smashes his head and explodes in between his big metal arms. But, I mean, why didn't he knock him down the pit? Why do you have a battle in the pit, but you don't use the pit? I don't know, it's strange. Uh, but the pacing is just like, after that is just... You know, and then it goes straight into the last battle, and then we'll talk about the last battle in a minute. Um, some of the sets were kind of lame. Uh, Outworld, specifically, is just a big wasteland, and Shang Tsung's throne is on this big cliff in the middle of nowhere. It's just so weird. Like, why, why is Shang Tsung in Outworld? He's supposed to be on his island, like in the 1995 movie, where the tournament's supposed to be taking place. That's where Shang Tsung lives. Shang Tsung is from Earthrealm. He just betrayed it. He's not from Outworld. So there's no reason for him to be hanging out there unless he's working in the flesh pits making abominations for Shao Kahn's army. Uh, <laughs> push up glasses, I'm a nerd. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, it, it, Outworld was just really lame. Every shot that had Outworld in it was just super boring. And then Raiden's temple is just strange. It's so strange. They should have had like the Jinsei chamber from Mortal Kombat X and Mortal Kombat 11. Instead, it's just like this weird set with this weird lightning reactor thing in the middle, and it's just really... They don't, they don't even explain any of it. They're just like, oh yeah, this is where Raiden lives, we're safe here, he's got a big barrier, the bad guys can't get us here. Alright, let's, let's train. That's kind of it. Um, and then my last my last complaint, my last negative, is just non all the nonsense in general, and I'm going to explain. So, in the end, whenever you know Cole and Hanzo Asashi beat up Sub-Zero, um, Hanzo Hasashi, or Scorpion, looks over at, at, um, Cole and, and speaks in Japanese and says, take care of my bloodline. I'll take it from here. And Cole's like, okay, yeah, he nods his head and takes his family and leaves. How did he understand him? They never say that Cole and his family can speak Japanese. Or was he just, like, nodding his head and like, okay, yeah, sure, uh, we're leaving. Uh, they didn't explain any of that. And it, it's so strange because, you know, for Sub-Zero to understand, for him to understand Sub-Zero speaks English. Sub-Zero speaks a lot of different languages in this movie. It kind of sets those rules early in the in the beginning scene because Sub-Zero is of a Chinese clan and Scorpion is of a Japanese clan. And Scorpion says, I can't understand what you're saying to Sub-Zero, but Sub-Zero can speak Japanese and Chinese. So they establish the rules, but then they don't follow them later in the movie. It's, it's just totally strange. I uh, talked about the Void Realm, uh, the part when they go to the Void, it's, it's just strange, they shouldn't have done that, <laughs> uh, didn't make any sense, it was just like plot convenience, but when they're in that Void, after Kung Lao dies, his hat shoots into the portal into the Void with the rest of the, the heroes, and how did that happen? They don't explain it, it just shot in there. If that was Kung Lao's Arcana, why would it be drawn to anybody else, and then we find out later that it's for story exposition on how Liu Kang gets his headband because it comes from the, the hat or whatever. But it just shoots in there and they don't explain it. And it's like, who threw it? Did someone throw that hat in there? Did Shang Tsung get pissed and throw it back in there? I don't know. It's 
it's just nonsense. It's just straight nonsense. Uh, Jax's Arcana, I kind of talked about a little bit about how his his Arcana is for his arms to get better. But what if he never lost his arms in the first place? Then what would his Arcana be? Would his arms get his regular human arms get better? I don't know. It, nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Um, <laughs> speaking of Jax, in the part when they're in the void and Cole's like, hey, everyone, we're going to split up. He's like, Jax is like, oh, yeah, send me to Raikou. I got to get my revenge. That's cool, but why would you not want to go after Sub-Zero for revenge? He's the one who blew your arms off in the first place. I don't know. Nonsense. Like I said, it's just nonsense. Just plot convenience. It's just, at that point, it's just kind of bad writing. Um, and then, um, let's see, I, I talked about Scorpion and how he spoke Japanese to Cole, but whenever he does his iconic spear move when he throws the harpoon and he impales people and pulls them, his iconic phrase is, GET OVER HERE! Um... He says that in this movie, but how's how's he how's he speaking English? He can speak English all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like I said, just nonsense. Uh, and then my very final complaint uh, is that uh, Sub Zero, in the end, he he kidnaps Cole's family and puts him in the gym, which I don't know why he goes there, uh, just because he puts him in the gym and he freezes him to the wall so he can lure. Cole to to come fight him because he wants to fight Cole and Cole alone and it works and Cole chases him in there and whenever he's fighting him that's when Scorpion shows up because he has the little um he has the little pole dart thing that that Raiden gives him earlier in the movie um but <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense why did Sub-Zero keep his family alive he just could he could have killed him just as easily as he killed Hanzo's whole clan but he keeps him alive for whatever reason it, it, it just it makes no sense like like sub just sitting there waiting he's like oh I gotta keep these guys alive he didn't have to do that because Cole already chased him in the portal he could have killed his family and pissed him off and then like I don't know it just nonsense just absolutely nonsense now look I know I just did a lot of complaining about this movie but all that being said I still enjoyed it it's a, it's a pretty decently put together movie, especially for the director who's a first time director. Coming off the heels, the, it's almost a detriment that it has to come off the heels of the story mode of Mortal Kombat 11. The story in the games is so well done and so good. And video games is an art form, it's a medium that you can consume hours at a time. This is a movie that has to cram everything into like two hours or less, unless you're watching The Irishman, but it's like. 18 hours um <laughs> but this movie I think it does well and I hear a lot of people saying well this movie's so bad it's so horrible it's the worst movie so it's a horrible video game adaptation I beg to differ go watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation and you'll be you'll be begging to watch this movie again because Mortal Kombat Annihilation sucks it absolutely sucks that's a bad movie that's torture if you ever want to torture somebody tie them up in a chair pry their eyelids open and make them watch that movie and they'll they'll go insane <laughs> but no I did complain a lot but I do have a lot of positive things to say about it as well I think for a final score I would give this movie like a solid 7.5 or 8 for an average moviegoer if you're just someone who wants to watch a movie um, no Mortal Kombat past experience needed go and watch this movie and it's a fun little popcorn film it's action-packed and it's funny it, it, it's it's fine now if you're a Mortal Kombat fan I'm gonna give it like a five or a six 
only because it's it's you've got a better story in the video games you've got way more characterization and backgrounds in the video games um and then i mean you got the 1995 film you can go watch that one and back in the day a lot of people used to complain that the 1995 film it sucked because it didn't have any blood or fatalities and it was a pg-13 movie now you go back and you watch it and you can appreciate all the good things about it now and that's what's important (laughs) the most important thing i'll tell you here today is go watch the 1995 mortal kombat film I love it. I don't care what anybody says. It's the best It's the best video game movie ever made. Go watch that movie. But anyway, thanks so much for listening to me ramble about the Mortal Kombat 2021 movie. This is my review. Did you like the movie? Do you, do you disagree or do you agree with anything that I had to say today? You can always send me an email at littlejollygamershow at gmail.com. I always read. I, I say I always read. If someone would send something, I would read it. Um, so just let me know how you felt about that movie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Listen, you have been chosen to defend the realm of Earth in a tournament called Mortal Kombat. Your world is but one of many realms. One of them is a forsaken land called Outworld, ruled by an immortal who has crowned himself Emperor. The essence of Mortal Kombat is not about death. But life, the fate of billions will depend upon you. 